Blog Talk Radio. And that's 
power of choice. You see, Uncle Tony was my granddad's brother. My grandparents died when I was very young. So Uncle Tony and Aunt Tilly became our grandparents. They were special people and favorite babysitters to my siblings and me. Uncle Tony and Aunt Tilly didn't have any grandkids or even kids of their own. And we easily filled that role. Every time they came over, it was to spend time with us. They were genuinely interested in us. They encouraged us. And they supported all our childhood dreams. Then one day, Uncle Tony signed some deals on behalf of the family, and Dad got mad, furious, actually. Suddenly, Uncle Tony and Aunt Tilly weren't coming around anymore. They were no longer welcome. In my father's eyes, Uncle Tony had betrayed the trust, and forgiveness wasn't an option. I spent over half my life missing Uncle Tony because of my father's choice. Imagine all the agony we kids experienced over whether visiting Uncle Tony and Aunt Tilly was another betrayal of our parents. I can't even begin to add up what that one fresh decision, the unconscious decision, cost my parents, Uncle Tony, and the rest of the family. That was when I was about 12 or 13. More than 19 years later, I stood in that hospital room, felt the chills running up my spine, and wanted to cry to my heart stop. As I edged up to the bed, Uncle Tony saw me and made a small noise. Couldn't even wave the nurse away. He just turned his head toward me. The doctor had warned me that Uncle Tony was barely lucid, but he recognized me, and then his eyes filled with tears. He could barely whisper, Where's your dad? Why didn't your dad come with you? All those years of separation, and Uncle Tony just wanted his family back. Dad's decision had pulled us apart, and now Uncle Tony's mind was set on making things right before it was too late. You know, it's amazing to think how powerful our minds are. And it's scary how little we understand how to control them. Uncle Tony's whispered words galvanized me into taking action. Not my dad. To the hospital two days before Uncle Tony passed away. Once he was there, Dad wouldn't leave. It was like a dam breaking or a wall coming down. Even if it was right at the last minute, my dad and Uncle Tony had found each other again. My dad was so grateful for those last days, but the regret we felt leaving the hospital all those lost years and the needless sorrow was overwhelming. 
I wish I could have helped my dad change his mind sooner. The desire to make a difference is still with me. When Uncle Tony was dying, I didn't really have the experience or the knowledge to help. All I could do was beg my dad to join me at the hospital and hope for the best. That's what has led me to my intense personal desire to find the right resources and the right people. It has now turned into a personal drive to make sure that working moms have the foundation for prosperous, purposeful, and happy life. Because I don't want anybody, moms, kids, husbands, anybody, to feel the grief that my dad and I felt. Now, that was such a beautiful story and told in a way to make you understand how the choices we make affect us as children and as adults. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my history and where that comes from and how that relates to that story. That my grandparents both came from Russia on my mother's side. And on my father's side, that his father came from Poland and his mother came from Latvia. And both of them, actually, my mother's father and both my father's parents actually settled in Savannah, Georgia, back in the early part of the 20th century. And my grandfather's family, who were known as the White, the White family, they owned a general store that was known as the Gherkin General Store back in the day. And my father's parents, his father actually had a fruit stand on the street corners. And when you think about how that affects history and how when you look at all of it and the skills that they brought from them, with them from Europe to, to, to America, that they were basically the founding fathers and determined how business played out over time. But those are certain choices that affect other areas of our life. But what I'm trying to talk about here is just how the choices that our parents made, the things that they went through affect the relationships they have with their children and the relationships that those children have with future relationships. And in my mother's case, her father first came to this country and settled in Savannah, Georgia, but he could not take the weather, so he went back to Europe, and he later came back with my grandmother and settled in New York. And his aunt, oh, excuse me, her aunt and uncle often would come up and visit them. 
grandmother was very bitter and very angry over what she had gone through as a child. And she had a habit of going to each of the children. Now, in my mother's family, there was 10 children. And my mother had a twin that passed away when they were a year old. So there were nine children there and two adults. And my grandmother constantly fought and cursed my grandfather to the point that he would often pick up and leave and travel around. And every time he left, he left her pregnant. But she, she was a very bitter an angry woman, and she would constantly create jealousy between her children by going to each of the other children and talking about each of them to one another to the other, so that she was creating some bitterness there and some anger there among the children. And on my father's side, and you've got to remember back then, back in the early part of the 20th century, they didn't really understand what was discipline or what was physical abuse. And their father was the disciplinarian, and he was physically abusive to his children, but he was always conscious not to do anything to any of the girls. And these were stories that I often heard from my father's twin. So... I understood what was going on, and then as we were children, I looked at my parents, and their relationship was built not on the fact that they loved each other, but the fact that there was a mutual need. And how my father met my mother was that she went to Florida with her friends and stopped off in Savannah and went to a wedding. And at the wedding is where she met my father. And many years later, the rabbi who officiated at her funeral, it was his aunt and uncle whose wedding that they met at. So before I digress about it, that in our family, my mother would constantly create jealousy between her children by saying things like, oh, look at what I did for you, but I didn't do for the other one and say it in front of them. And other things that she would do is she would be constantly telling you how you can't live alone. You can't think for yourself. You can't, can't, can't. And my father would just, and I got the brunt of it because I was the middle child because the younger one, oh, she couldn't possibly do it because she was the baby. And the older one, oh, no, she couldn't possibly do it because she was deaf. So I got the brunt of it. And I, I, as my father died when I was 18, and my mother actually passed away eight years ago, two days before my birthday, and we buried her on my birthday. The sad part was that I never really grieved over my mother, and the only tears that I shed were when we were putting her in the ground, and one simple reason, because many a times I would try talking to my mother, because I had to, I found that she was very toxic to me, that being around her was not healthy for me, 
And I literally, once I graduated graduate school and went to work, I left them and I went down to that, back from New York to Valdosta, Georgia to work. And a lot of that was because I had to get as far away from her as I possibly could because her negativity was so toxic. And there were times that I would try to talk to her and I would try to make peace with her, but she only wanted a relationship with me on her terms. And there was no way that I was going to allow myself to continue to be abused just to have a relationship with her. Therefore, when we actually put her into the ground, my tears were more of a sadness because we never found peace with each other. But at least I knew I tried. And, and that gave me peace. So why do we make the choices we do? Even after Uncle Tony had passed away, you can imagine how hard it was to ask my dad about what had happened as much as I wanted to understand why and the how. Bringing up the old family squabble was too much, like picking at a scab. But I still had that need to know, why do we make the choices we do? Unfortunately, my dad passed away while I was pursuing the answer. On the bright side, he was in a much better place, in his head and in his heart, because he and Uncle Tony had been able to reconcile, seeing the big positive change in my dad and then losing him before we could really talk and appreciate what happened with Uncle Tony. That turned my need to know into a drive, a personal purpose. This is a big part of what made my whole life about finding answers, making things happen, and connecting with people. Even while running the divisions, boards, Times Mirror, and Craze Business, big New York publishing companies, I never got caught up in the titles and power. Our focus was always on giving value to our subscribers, connecting them with the resources that they needed. Link had the great good fortune of working with a lot of the best minds in the business, wealth building, personal development, and being with loans of opportunity to enjoy the fruit, all that learning, answer seeking questions. My favorite memories are the conferences, not the speaking part, although I enjoyed that. The time after the speeches were over, the moment in the hallway, talking one-on-one -on -one with my customers. There's no feeling better than when someone comes up to you and says, you made a difference in my life. And when the student is ready, this wouldn't be much of a story if it ended with me feeling a warm and fuzzy, would it? After all, 
the happily ever after part only starts coming into play when you pass on your good fortune to others. I see a joy and relief in my dad that he felt after making up with Uncle Tony. And every professional business conference showed me the impact my knowledge and advice had on other people's lives. I decided it was time to find a way to teach this mindset, this way of thinking and doing to others in addition to our jobs and the businesses we run. We have our children to look after. The decisions we make, the example of how we live, it all combines to define who our children become and then who their children become. It's our opportunity to write history and to guide the generations. And the first thing I want to do is talk about what is known as the fuzzy tail. And why do I want to talk about the fuzzy tail? Because in the fuzzy tail, it talks about a family, the mother, the father, the son, the daughter, and in that family, What they would do is they would give out warm fuzzies as though there was no tomorrow. And they didn't question whether or not they would run out. But what happened was a a witch came along, and she became very jealous of what the family was doing. So she went to them, and she told them if they kept giving out warm fuzzies, then eventually all those warm fuzzies would disappear. And then what the family did was they did something real simple. They decided to no longer give out warm fuzzies. And in doing so, they started to give out cold pricklies of false fuzzies. And those cute pricklies and those false fuzzies are all the negativity, the things that you say to people where you, where you're belittling them and you're you're beating down their their self-esteem. So guess what happens? You started seeing the town shrivel up, and it's shriveling up and getting smaller. That eventually a hip woman came along, and the hip woman said that there was no way you could ever run out of warm fuzzies. So what happened? The family started giving out warm fuzzies again. And what did that do? That you started to see the tail start to thrive and grow. So that when you relate that to my story of growing up, in a negative environment with a disability at a time when society did not even recognize its disability community. And I had a family that was very negative that 
when I went to school and the kids would tease me because I was the only one with a disability in the school because at that time, kids were not guaranteed the right to an education. But when I came home and I was crying and upset, all I got from my mother was, why are you crying? There's no reason for you to cry. You know what? I definitely had a reason to cry. What I needed was a hug and a kiss. She made me feel like I was wanted, that I was accepted, and that I was loved. So that, in a way, I understood that for me, that once I entered college, I started studying psychology, and I started studying mental health, and I started to read up and do a lot on personal development because I wanted to change. I wanted to become more positive, and I wanted to succeed and set goals for myself. And that was very much a dichotomy away from what my mother wanted for me. That is exactly why she and I had no relationship. Even and I never, even though I lived in 40 minutes away from her, the whole last year of her life, we never saw each other. And I had no idea that she had gotten to the point that she could not walk and that she was in a wheelchair. And that, uh, that for me, that that relationship was something that, yes, I would have loved to have had a better relationship, but I wanted an equal relationship. I wanted to be shown respect. And I was never going to get that from her. So I had to learn to pat myself on the back, to make the choices that were right for me. And sometimes children have to distance themselves away from their family, especially if they're toxic, and they're going to hold them back. And as an entrepreneur, you need to have a lot of encouragement, and you need people around you who can support you and encourage you. When I entered the workforce, there were very few opportunities for people with disabilities. And I knew that in my case, I was someone who could interact with people, that I was able to overcome a lot of things, that as long as I understood what was going on, I could change myself. And the thing is, when you, the dynamics of the family, each of them work because each person reacts in a certain situation, and you know how to respond to that person. And if you understand transactional analysis, you understand there's a triangle. It's the rescuer, the persecutor, and the victim. And usually when families interact with each other, they kind of have a lot of role reversals where they, they change the position they're in. But in my case, my mother and my baby sister, they, were like, they would reverse whether they were the persecutor or the rescuer, but they wouldn't let me get out of the victim stage. I found that I had to, to be as far away from them as I possibly could. And they resented my independence because they loved 
having that control over someone. But if you have the power of choice, then it's up to you to make sure that you can succeed. And in succeeding, that you have the ability to take control of your life and not letting someone else control it for you. That for many of us, that is why as children it's important for, for parents to allow children as they go from being very young to being teenagers to being young adults to begin to take control of their lives and be supportive and being encouraging and also help them to make the right decisions. The problem is if you don't let your children make the right decisions as they grow and they become independent, then what happens is they repeat all those behaviors later on. And remember, you can go to my website, and that website is the number one personal careercoach.com and you can sign up for individual or group coaching and take classes where you can learn to take control of your life.